Colossians 3, 9. It says, Do not lie to one another. Since you laid aside the old self the, with its evil practices, do not lie to one another. So this morning we're going to talk about lying. We're actually going to extend it a little bit further than that. Remember, we come into this house and we're, we want to be encouraged and challenged in the Word, but we also want to be um, uh, rebuked when necessary. We want to be challenged, like really challenged. Not, just, oh, that was a good word, but we want, to, we want to hear things and we want to know things that will help us improve that fullness of life in Christ, to grow in righteousness. And this morning, what's on the list is do not lie to one another. And do you notice how this is another one of those social sins? Remember in Galatians, we talked about how they were kind of broken down into spiritual sins, actually sexual sins, spiritual sins, and social sins. And we did, went over all those. This is actually another one of those social sins. Do not lie to one another. Don't lie to each other. Don't lie to everybody. Since you laid aside the old self, in other words, the old you, with its evil practices. And that word practices right there means like a transaction or like a deal. In other words... This is the way you used to deal with people. This is the way you used to deal with people. And I'm going to use the word deceitfully. I'm going to take do not lie and I'm going to stretch it out to maybe a little to the nth degree here and just use the word deceit. This is the way you used to deal with people deceitfully. Most of us, uh, before we knew Jesus, dealt deceitfully with people. The sad truth is, is that many Christians continue to, de- to deal deceitfully with people even after they have been born again, even after they've been saved. I think that's why Paul is writing such things to the Colossian church. If you're writing things down, I want you to write this down just as a little starter. Deceitfulness, and this is, I've already said it, but just write it. Deceitfulness is a small fox that ruins the vineyard. Deceitfulness is a small fox that ruins the vineyard. And I want you to turn to Psalms 101, verse 7. I want you to turn there. If you've got your Bible, I want you to turn there because I want you to mark it. Psalm 107, I'm sorry, 101, verse 7. And this is King David writing this. King David is the author of most of the Psalms. You there? It says, He who practices deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who speaks falsehood shall not maintain his position before me. Now you guys know that David was a king. Um, He had lots of servants. He had people that were serving him and his family and and the uh, as people, they're all over the place, people of position in his courts, all kinds of place, places. And so when he says this, what he's saying is that he will not allow a deceitful person to even be in his presence, much less serve in a position in his court. And I was thinking about David, and there's a few things that we know about David. First of all, we know that David was a model worshiper. I mean, a lot of the songs that we sang this morning, somehow, one, one way or the other, come from the Psalms. That he wrote, so he was like a model worshiper. And remember, he's the one that was dancing around um, unashamedly before the Lord in his ephod and his underwear. He's like, I don't care. I'll, I'll I'll get crazier than this if I have to worship my God. So we know he was a model worshiper, just unabandoned with his worship. We know that he was a type of Christ. In other words, his life shadowed and foreshadowed 
um, um, the life of Christ and what Christ would come and be and do. Um, he typified Christ. In other words, his life was very symbolic and representative, representative of the life of Christ. So, so he was a model worshiper. He was a, he was a type of Christ. And then Scripture gives uh, him the title that you don't see anybody else given in Scripture, and that is he was a man after God's own heart. So here we have David writing something who apparently is a, a great guy, a man after God's own heart. And he says, He who practices deceit shall not dwell in my house. He who speaks falsehood shall not maintain his position before me. And if David wouldn't entertain dishonesty in his courts, neither will the Lord. In fact, write this down. Deceitfulness forfeits the favor and blessings of the Lord. Deceitfulness forfeits God's favor and blessing. In other words, when there is deceit, dishonesty in our life, when there's things that are, that are deceitful, and we'll go into what that means in our life, then, then what happens is, is it, you know, the favor that God wants to pour out and the blessing that God wants to uh, pour out is, is kind, of, kind of forfeited. Now, I'm going to look at this real quick. Psalm 101, verse 7, but look at it as if it were Jesus saying this. He who practices deceit shall not dwell within my house. That word dwell means to tarry or to sit. It means to hang out. Okay, so he who, he who practices deceit shall not hang out within my house or in my presence. Then he goes on to say, he who speaks falsehood shall not maintain his position. Now, does that mean, are you talking about heaven or hell? If somebody is deceitful, does that mean he's not going to be able to go to heaven? That means he's got to go to hell. Well, you do have to notice that it says he who practices deceit. So this is someone who, this is a lifestyle. This is who they are. They are deceitful all the time. According to that, I think probably more than likely, (laughs) he's going to have a hard time getting into the house of God, to the presence of God. But listen, at the very least, listen, at the very least, the favor and blessing of the Lord, the position that we hold as believers as God showing His favor and His blessing upon us. When there's deceit in our life, it's like the Lord's like, whoa, what is going on? Now, we know that the Lord is gracious, He's compassionate, He's slow to anger, He's rich in love and all that stuff. But we also know that our sin separates us from the Lord. There's this chasm that comes in our life uh, if, if I'm someone that is so deceitful that I'm just dishonest all the time, I'm obviously somebody that's not in fellowship with the Lord. So there's some sort of divide right there. And more than like, likely, I'm not walking in the favor and the blessing of the Lord, all because of deceit. And we can see the, this idea played out in what happened to Satan. Some of you are familiar with, with Revelations 12, 9. It says, And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. Some of your versions say the deceiver. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Listen, and of course we know that when he, um, he deceived one-third of the angels and he took them with him when he got cast out of heaven. Listen, Satan is a deceiver. Satan is the deceiver. He's the leader of deception. <laughs> he leads with Deception. In fact, write this down. When, when we act deceptively, we are reflecting Satan's character. And these may be hard words, but this is just the hard facts. When we act deceptively, 
we are reflecting not God's character. You know, in, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 3.18, we, um, we who with unveiled faces are, are meant to reflect His glory, reflect His character. In moments of deception, in moments of being deceitful, we're not reflecting God's character. We're reflecting Satan's character. It's like, oh, that is like nasty to our mouth tasting to think of us ever displaying Satan's character. But when there's deception, when there's dishonesty, that's exactly what we're doing. In fact, you guys remember the time where um, the Pharisees and religious leaders brought the lady who was caught in adultery to Jesus and, and said, what do we do with her? The law says the stoner, stoner, stoner. And Jesus said, he, you know, he who, has, who is without sin cast the first stone. It's this whole conversation. But later on in the conversation, he addresses these Pharisees and these religious leaders. And he says, you belong to your father, the devil. How would you like to hear that? And you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language. Isn't that interesting? When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and then the father of lies. Now, this is Jesus saying it. He is the father of lies. When we act deceptively, we are reflecting Satan's character. I'm not saying that we are Satan. I'm not saying that we're possessed by a demon. But in that moment, when we're being deceptive, we are reflecting an ungodly character. And if it's not godly, then it's the other guy. Write this down. Deceit is a devilish dialect. (laughs) Maybe that will help you remember that nice little alliteration. Deceit is a devilish dialect. When we are speaking lies or speaking things that are deceptive, we are not speaking God's language. We are speaking the devil's language. Real quick, I want to to give you a definition of deceit. So if you're writing things down, write this down. Deceit basically is a falsehood that misleads others. Okay, deceit is a falsehood that misleads others. And a falsehood is any non-truth, anything that's not true, or any distortion of the truth. Now think about that. That is what, uh, what Satan is the master of, distorting the truth of God. He did it in the garden. He's still doing it today. Distortion of the truth. So anything that's a non-truth, anything that is a distortion of the truth, would be considered deceitful especially when it's used to mislead others. If you're familiar with Proverbs 6, there's, it lists a list of things that the, um, that the Lord uh, can't tolerate. And deception, there's a few different times, different types of deception is in that list. God hates what is not truth. I don't know if you ever thought about that, but if, if it's not truth, God doesn't like it. He hates things that are not truth because He is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. And the life. Real quick, I want you to turn to Deuteronomy 32 because I want you to mark this in your, in your Bible too. Deuteronomy chapter 32. It's really quiet in here. I'm not sure why. Deuteronomy 32, verse 4. And I want you to mark it in your scripture, in your Bible. It says, He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all His ways are just. A God of truth and without iniquity. Righteous and upright is He. And that's what God wants for His followers. This is what I was getting at at the beginning. This is what He wants for His 
his followers, for them to build their lives on the rock of their salvation, for them to firmly plant themselves in him. He wants them to be full of truth, free from sin. You guys, I don't know if I can say that enough. We say it a lot around here, but God wants us to be free from sin. He wants us to be, to walk righteous and upright before him, to love Jesus, to obey Jesus. You think about the Ten Commandments. Uh, What did the Ten Commandments bring? Scripture says that the law brings the knowledge of what? The law, the, uh, law brings the knowledge of sin. In other words, whenever we read the law, we're like, oh. Ooh. When he brought the, the, the Ten Commandments that showed the people, oh, I guess we ought not act that way. I guess we shouldn't do that way. The law, God's word brings the knowledge of sin. Why? Because he wants us to be sin free. And you know, uh, three of those uh, the seventh commandment, eighth and ninth, all deal with deception or deceit. Seven is do not commit adultery. Eight is do not steal. Nine is don't bear false witness against your neighbor. If you look at Leviticus 19 on down the road a little bit, he's, he's laying out some more laws for the people, for God's people, and he reinstates those again. He, re, uh, he talks about them again. He says, you shall not steal, nor deal falsely, nor lie to one another. I like the NLT version of that. It basically says, do not steal, do not cheat one another, do not lie. It just lays it out just like that. And if you think, well, that's just Old Testament stuff. I mean, there's, you know, there's some grace there. Listen, Jesus, you know, there's a time where he was starting out on the trip and a man came running up to him and said, good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. But as for your question, you know the commandments. And he lists a few of them. He said, do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Then he says, do not steal. Do not testify falsely and do not cheat. So Jesus himself is saying, these, these things are still important. Why? Because God hates what isn't truth. And the believers, the saints, have got to get that. That deceitfulness, anything that's in us that is deceitfulness, is a small fox that comes in and robs the fullness of life. The, the fruit of our vine just, like, just comes and just rips it right off the vine. What I want to do is I want to give really quick three forms of deceit that rob our lives of the fullness of Christ. So you can write these in. And, and there's all kinds, I'm sure, but these are, the, I think, the three main that hit us. The first one is lying, like we saw there in Colossians 3, 9. It says, do not lie to one another. Do not lie to one another. And I thought about the ways that we lie. We basically lie to people about stuff, you know, the, the typical thing to, to preach on when you talk about lying is embellishing your fishing stories, you know? I caught a fish and it, it, it was like this big. And certainly that's part of it. And I, you know what? I don't want to blow past that because that is a non-truth. That is a distortion of the truth. So when we do that, it, it's, it's considered a lie. When we lie to people about anything, we we basically lie to people or we lie about people. Lying to people is, uh, like it says in Colossians 3, 9, do not lie to one another. And then right here in in the Ten Commandments, do not testify falsely about people. Lying is just, it's one of those things. I think lying is the most ignored sin in the body of Christ. Can I just say that? 
Lying is the most ignored sin because we have this thing that we call a white lie. It's like, why do they call it a white lie? You know why I think they call it a white lie? Because somehow they think, oh, I had a, man, yeah, I said that, but I, I mean, I really had a pure heart. Or you know my heart. I mean, you knew my heart. You know, white purity. I have a pure heart. You know, it's like, no, dude, you were lying. Ain't no such thing as a white lie. I mean, think about that. I don't mean to be goofy here. This is where we're at we're in, in Scripture. This is where we're at in our, in our list. But think about that. Really, a white lie? We give ourselves position, uh, permission to tell white lies. And then we write it off as, we know my heart. Which, I think that's a dangerous thing to say. <laughs> that's right. God knows your heart. <laughs> you know? But white lies. There's no such thing as a white lie. All lies originate from darkness. That is a truth that we've got to really get in our heart. Remember what we're doing? We are trying to protect our vineyards. We're trying to walk in the fullness of life. We want to see our vineyards blossom. We want to see our love for Christ and our life in Christ grow and flourish. And listen, one of the things that is robbing believers left and right is deceitfulness. One of those being lying, not telling the truth. I thought about why do we lie? You know, when I, before I was saved, I was a liar. I was. I'm not lying. <laughs> I was a liar. I lied all the time. And I was thinking about that. You know what? I'm, I'm preaching to my old self and to my new self because there's times where I'm still tempted to lie. And I thought about why is it that I would lie? Why do people lie? Two things. Self-exaltation and self-preservation. Think about it. I lie in this moment to make myself seem better one way or the other, than I am. Whatever the scenario is, you know, if I'm lying, maybe it's because I'm trying to make myself look better, protect myself, or the self-preservation thing, protecting myself. Well, if I, don't, if I tell the truth right here, I might get in trouble. And you know, that's not child's play, is it? That's not just a child's lesson. Don't lie. Tell me the truth. Did you hit Johnny? You know, that is not just child's play. This is not just a child's sermon. This is us. We do that. We will, we will tell white lies or fib or, or whatever to make ourselves be put in a higher place, to exalt ourselves or to protect ourselves. That's, who, that's what we do. And when we do that, we're not displaying God's character. We're literally displaying the character of the enemy. Let me write this down real, real quick. Anything that is a non-truth or a distortion of the truth is a lie. And it's considered sin. Jesus died on the cross like Sean prayed, like Nick prayed. Jesus died on the cross. He shed his blood, got holes in his body, lashes on his back, horn, uh, crown of thorns pushed down in his head so that we could be free from this thing called sin. The sin that separates us from God. Jesus went to the nth degree to make sure that that could be taken away from us and we be reconciled to the Father. How dare we as Christians permit any form of deception? A white lie, green lie, purple lie, whatever kind of lie. You can color it however you want to, but like I said, anything that is a non-truth or a distortion of the truth is a lie and is sin. We lie because of self-exaltation and self-preservation. Romans 1.25 and this is this little this 
area of scripture right here is, is talking about the ungodly, those who aren't following, following God, those who are basically exalting themselves and preserving their own lives. And he says this. He says, these kinds of people exchange truth, exchange the truth of God for a lie. These kinds of people exchange the truth of God for a lie. And then here's, here's the kicker. It says, and worshiped and served the creator, I'm sorry, the creature rather than the creator. So get that, that verse right there. These kinds of people exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature, in other words, the self, rather than the creator, which is God. And that's exactly what we do when we, when we step into deception. Another, another uh, form of deceit that robs our lives is stealing. Stealing. This is one of those that's kind of hard... You know, most of us have stole something in this room one way or the other. Maybe some of you haven't. I used to steal stuff all the time when I was a kid. You know, shame to admit it, but, but I did. You know, but that's one of the commandments. Do not steal. Do not take something that does not belong to you. I can remember one time, fifth or sixth grade, my parents and I lived in an apartment complex here in Tyler. And... Uh, I had actually just moved in with my dad and stepmom. My parents were divorced. And so I just moved in. So I didn't really have anything. I literally didn't have anything. Maybe some clothes. And I can remember walking around the apartment complex one day, just bored out of my mind. And I'm walking around and I see this bike. I was like, man, now that's a cool bike. So I walked on over to it, grabbed it off their little porch, and rode it around for about two hours. Now, I brought it back. So I guess you could consider that borrowing it, you know. (laughs) But for two hours, it was stolen. They didn't know. But I used to do stuff like that all the time when I was a kid. I can remember, I'm just being honest. One time uh, in junior high, my parents didn't have a lot of money. You know, when you're in junior high, you're just trying to keep up with the crowd. And the big thing with the crowd was riding skateboards, skateboarding. And uh, I enjoyed skateboarding. I was okay at it. Um, But my, my board was horrible. My skateboard was one of those you buy at... Kmart. You guys remember Kmart? You buy it at Kmart and it had a Ninja Turtle at the bottom of it. It's like, you know, it's like, I'm not going to go out with my Ninja Turtle skateboard and skate with all my friends who have their $100 skateboards. And so you know what I did? I stole someone's Tony Hawk. That was me, junior high. I'm just being honest. Tony Hawk is a cool skateboarder guy who has his own boards. They're really awesome and gnarly. That's what I did. I stole that skateboard. And this isn't the kind that you borrow, um, that you bring back. No, I stole it. And I brought it home, and I just skated. And then I thought, this is kind of stupid because I can't skate anywhere than other my house because everybody will know that I stole this guy's skateboard because he was a friend of mine. <laughs> See, sin knows no bounds and has no sense, you know? So after, I don't know, a few months of having this, I finally got brave enough and the time had passed, and I remember him looking for a skateboard, and it was the big thing. What happened to a skateboard? Somebody stole it. That was me. <laughs> and I can remember getting brave enough. Oh, he's probably forgot about now. Oh, three months later, you don't forget about your Tony Hawk skateboard. And I skated. A bunch of guys were skating, and I brought my stolen skateboard out with them. Hey, guys. And they're all like, where'd you get that skateboard? And so I got caught. Literally, the police came and... They didn't arrest me, but they were sure. I don't know what they were, but they were not nice to me. One time in, in high school, um, ninth grade, listen, something I wrote down is that stealing comes from a selfish, uncontrolled life. 
Think about stealing. It comes from a selfish and uncontrolled life. When I was in high school, again, I didn't have any money. And I was with a friend at Target, this one here in Tyler. And uh, we were looking at tapes. It was back in when CDs, what's that? You know, could could what's that? You know, CDs. And we were looking at tapes. And we were looking at Aerosmith. And we were looking at all this stuff. And uh, I wanted that tape. But guess how much money I had? Zero. My friend and I, we weren't driving yet. We were with my stepmom there at Target. And my friend said, just take it. I dare you. I was like, well, I do want the tape. And so I got that tape. You remember how they had those things on them? You remember that? Well, I don't even know where I found the strength. Probably it was the devil. I was like, and ripped that tape off there. I thought, that was pretty easy. Shoved it down my pants. Walked over here. I'm going to do another one. And grabbed another one. I don't remember what that was. I'm sure it was something satanic. Anyway. And said, well, let's go. And I'm walking out the door. This guy grabs me and said, what you got in your pants? Nothing. I said, well, why don't you come with me? I, th- I think maybe you do. Anyway, he took me back. They showed me the video of me stealing. I got in trouble. I literally got arrested and was put on probation for six months. Why? Because I was selfish and I had an uncontrolled life. Now, I'm born again now. <laughs> I haven't stolen anything in years. But isn't that the truth of it? And, you know, there, there can be this thing, well, you know, sometimes you're, when people are hungry and they got to they gotta steal to feed themselves. Listen, uh, Paul addresses that. Listen, he who steals must steal no longer. And you can blanket that statement, whether it's for selfish, uncontrolled reasons or because you're hungry. He who steals, steal no longer, but rather he must labor. In other words, get a job, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with someone who has a need. Listen, if, if someone's hungry, it doesn't matter. You, you can't say, there's not, like a white lies, you don't have like a white steal. Well, it's just a white steal. I was hungry. I had to feed my kids. We were watching um, the Cinderella Man this past week. You guys seen that about James J. Braddock, the boxer? And, and there's that scene where, you know, they weren't doing good. It was in the Depression. They were losing out. Their electricity's turned off. All kinds of stuff. And, and uh, his son went out and stole something from the market. And got, uh, his, we brought it home. His mom was like, where did you get this? We don't have money. And he wouldn't say anything. And so the mom knew that he stole it. And so when James Braddock got home, he had to deal with it. He marched that kid down there to the supermarket, gave the meat back, and then he sat down, and I love this. It's so powerful. He says, we don't steal. No matter what, we don't steal. And he said that to his son. I thought that's powerful. It's not even a Christian movie, but that's what, it's like, that's what we need to get in our heart. No matter what, we don't lie. We don't steal. Because really, if you think about it, stealing robs God of the opportunity to come through. Doesn't it? When we steal or when we lie to protect ourselves or preserve ourselves, like you're robbing God of the opportunity to show himself to be God. And the last thing is cheating. (laughs) Cheaters never win. This is kind of a hard one because here's basically here's what cheating means. Cheating refers to any immoral way of achieving a goal. 
Think about that. Any immoral way, way that's displeasing to the Lord, contrary to His Word, any immoral way of achieving a goal. There's several different... I mean, there's, you, you can't even find all the scriptures that talk about that. One of the things Paul talks about, even in the qualifications of church leaders and stuff, is, is doing things with sordid gain or, doing, or basically doing things uh, cheaty to get stuff, to get money, to doing things with sordid gain. Or, I mean, it's basically cheating. It's another one of those things. And, and you know what? We have four kids... And we play games, we play Uno, we play checkers, we play all kinds of stuff. And the temptation, even for me, when I'm playing my eight-year-old, because he wins everything. It's like, how do you always, am I wrong? He wins every time we play Uno. I never win. Why? Because he wins. And there's times, I'm, there's times where I'm like, you know, but I don't. But it's like, if I, I'm going to have to cheat to beat this guy. So we have white lies, we have white steals. And we have white cheats. It's like, it's just a game. Why? What does it matter if I cheat? It matters. It matters. I think it's the same principle of be faithful in the little things, you'll be entrusted with much. Falter in little things, you will falter in greater things. You hear what I'm saying? You think about, you know, again, cheating. It's... All kinds of cheating, cheating in games, cheating on your taxes, cheating on your wife, cheating on your husband, cheating. Whatever it is that you're trying to gain or a goal that you're trying to achieve and you do it immorally can be considered cheating. Now, close with this. I just think about the grace that God has shown us in our lives. We are, we are believers. We are born-again believers. We have been brought out of darkness into His marvelous light. We have been born again it says, the old has gone away. Behold, all things have become new. You are a new creature, uh, creation in Christ Jesus. This is who you are now. This is what God has done for you. By His grace and His tender mercies, you are not the same person. You are no longer destined for hell. You will be with, with Jesus in heaven for eternity. I mean, think of the benefits of knowing God and His grace. I came across a, a quote from Charles Spurgeon, it says, Grace makes men uh, truthful and creates in them an utter horror of everything approaching to falsehood. That's the way it should be. We're, we're here today, believers. I would say the majority of us are believers. And if we can have that same heart and attitude, mind attitude as Spurgeon, when he says, Grace... What we've received from God makes men truthful and creates in them an utter horror of everything approaching to falsehood. So when we have the temptation to tell a white lie, to preserve ourselves, to protect ourselves, to exalt ourselves, we have to remember the grace of the Lord. He suffered much so that I can... Like Paul says, what, what do we say? We go on sinning because of His grace? No, may it not be. Because of His grace, we cling to the things that are truth. We cling to the things that are upright, that are righteous. We work for our vineyard to be flourishing, growing, producing fruit. Not giving the enemy these stupid little opportunities to steal from our vineyard. You hear what I'm saying? I'm probably speaking on one of these levels to everybody 
in this room. I know I'm speaking. I mean, I told you my stories, you know. God has us on a journey. We began this year out with a teaching series, and it's really the theme of the whole year, Be Found Faithful. God has us on a journey of being a people that is found faithful. Every day, we're faithful to Him, and at the end, when He comes back for His pure and spotless bride, He will look at me and He will say, Tony, you were found faithful. And this Fox series has been really good because it's kind of pinpointing some things that keep us from being faithful people, keeping our vineyards from blossoming. Amen? All we have to do is on a daily basis say, Yes, Lord. No devil. Yes, Lord. Amen? Let's stand. My encouragement to you would be to investigate your life. You know, this morning as I was praying and, and kind of going over my notes and just praying for you guys in this service, the Lord showed me some areas of deceit, some areas in my life. And I was, I was horrified. It's like, Lord, no, not me. That's the old guy. He's like, yeah, but there's some of that coming up. And I repented. I said, Lord, forgive me. I can't even believe that. And I would have never have considered that deceitful. But it was. So I ask the Lord to forgive me. And we all have to do that. Amen. Let me pray.